Hey family, welcome to the Kinship Collective Podcast. I am Mark and we are ending otherness. This is a conversation that cultivates kinship through storytelling, scripture, and service. We are changing the world one story, one reimagined scripture, one act of service at a time. And that happens together. Quick announcement. We keep talking about our Kinship Family Reunion fundraiser. We have changed the date to make space for more people for Saturday, September 9th. We'll gather, eat good food, drink good drinks, play family games, do some storytelling and some fundraising for the Kinship Collective. We'll have an Eventbrite coming out soon. We want you to save that day. Join us Saturday, September 9th in Pasadena. Today is another one of our reimagined episodes. We are going to be reimagining Jesus baptism. What did that mean for him? What was happening in that? And for me, when I think about that, the first thing that comes to mind is a conversation I recently had with my wife. The conversation went something like this. This has literally nothing to do with you, Mark. Uh, as a husband, as a partner, you mean our, our, our bank accounts are together. We've raised children together. We are raising children together. We are creating a home together. What do you mean this thing in our partnership has nothing to do with me? Karen was expressing some feelings. To be clear and to give context, we started our relationship very young. We got married young. We had children young. So on the advantage side of that, we didn't have to navigate dating apps and what it looks like to try and discover and create love. Nowadays, kind of like as middle-aged career people, and on the disadvantage side, I think we didn't have all of the time to iron out personality, personhood before really connecting our lives to another human and then creating more humans together. And so our journey of evolution and personal growth has been tied in as a family. So this conversation I had with her has lasted months and on different continents. And we're working through these different ways that we're evolving together. What does partnership look like? How are we creating the relationship where we flourish mutually? We are doing it together. There becomes a part in this conversation where I am feeling so threatened. I'm, I'm interpreting what she's saying in ways she's not meaning it. Her feelings don't have much to do with me. But when she's communicating what's happening in her evolution and her growth, I can feel my inner child riling up, this fear of abandonment riling up. I can feel my desire to control the situation, to create safety and stability where there is a perceived vulnerability or instability, which isn't quite true. But I am feeling my skin crawl, my sweat go, my anger, this uh, sense of control or power riling up in me. And 
I look in her eyes and she communicates something that she said many times, but this time it just hits a little different for me. Mark, I, I love you. I love creating this family with you. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, my soul kind of settled into that reality. Love for me means commitment. I know that many of us come to moments of conflict. There are moments in work and career and romance and family that really can like draw on these wounds that we carry. Even some of them are scarred over and we've become healthy, whole individuals, but there can be things that happen that go right to the heart of an old wound and they can rile us up. For me to rest into this definition of love as commitment to know she's committed to me brought me peace, settled my heart. And I know that we all carry different definitions of love with us where we go. Some people talk about choice. You can't have love without choice, without a sense of I'm choosing this person, I'm choosing this activity, this thing. Love comes with necessary choice and space. There's hospitality. There's a holding lightly to love. It's not controlling. It's not gritty or bear down on you. It is loose and sure. It is kind. It is committed. It is warm. It affirms. It gives gifts. It is affectionate. It serves. It is sacrificial. We all carry different definitions of love that meet our different spaces of wounding in different ways. This is also true for Jesus. Jesus came from the Jewish tradition and the Jews' definition of love was a, a liberating force. The love of God is what liberated Abram from the cycle of life, the circle, the great wheel of continuing to do what your father's 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 mother's 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 mother did. God liberated Abraham into individuality and a unique journey with God. God liberated the people of Israel from their slavery in, with the Egyptians. God created liberating society of equity, moving towards justice and mercy and love. God liberated the people from exile of the Babylonians, liberated from the Assyrians. That definition of love was liberation. It was presence. It was God with us. It is what you did with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. It was action. It was a verb. Jesus is raised up in this tradition. But there are parts of Jesus' identity that are wounded, and they are wounds that he carries with him into life. Jesus is born. He's an illegitimate son. 
Yeah, he, he's the son that when Joseph goes to his home family to fill out the census, to pay taxes, to represent, no one in his family wants them to stay with him because his fiance is nine months pregnant, is getting ready to deliver their child, and they're not married yet. No one in his family has room for them. So Jesus, I imagine, grows up the bastard son. Cousins having something to say about that. But most importantly, internal dialogue. Who am I? Where do I really belong? What's my purpose? These are questions we all ask. I would imagine they become more disorienting, more challenging, more intense when your mom smiles and sometimes her eyes get teary when she thinks about where you came from. She looks Jesus in the eye. You are the Messiah. You're the promised one. You are from here and you are from there. Jesus carries this identity with him. And he's stepping into a world where theologically things are shifting. He comes from a tradition that is now under Roman occupation and some of the religious leaders are now getting intertwined in bed with Roman colonialism in efforts to conserve what's been passed down to them. Their religion is being tied up with the economics of the empire. But there is a small group of fervent radical believers creating a new expression of what it means to follow Yahweh out on the southern outskirts of town, of Jerusalem to be exact, down by the Jordan River. And Jesus' second cousin is proclaiming that there will be one. There will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. They're still coming. We don't have to compromise who we are. This is the setting for Jesus' baptism. Let me read from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Other versions say, you make my heart glad. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the accuser. And he was with the wild animals and the angels ministered to him there. 
to me, this is a description of a personal encounter with the divine for Jesus. Growing up in and around church, I never heard this passage talked about as a personal encounter with God. It always felt like this really public showing, this public affirmation of who Jesus is by the divine. God saying, this is my son. This is my beloved child who makes my heart glad. But it doesn't seem like that's what the story is saying. It seems like Jesus has carried these questions about identity with him. And as he goes to identify himself with this smaller group of radicals living out a new expression of their ancient faith, that he encounters God and that he has this personal awakening, this insight from within him about what his mom has always told him to be true. I am the son of God. God is pleased with me. I make God's heart glad. This encounter with God that answers his deepest personal questions, the most disorienting challenges he faces. To me, I feel like this is what Jesus was reminding himself of when he would go to the garden to pray, when he would leave the group with everybody on those mornings when he was facing the difficulty, the, the, the woundedness, the challenges we all face as we are in our lives around parenting, around career, around love, around romance, these things that disorient us coming to the end of ourselves and our capacity to meet the moment. We just don't quite understand what we're supposed to do next. We just feel this level of anxiety between what we feel coming around the corner and what we have felt in our bones, the ways that our body has kept the score from our families of origin, from the traumas we felt in our lives. I see Jesus modeling what it looks like to reckon with those moments. And I imagine Jesus rehearsing this very moment. I am God's beloved child. I make God's heart glad that that would somehow put things into perspective, that that would put into perspective this daunting task, the whispers he hears, the angst he feels, the impossibility that he feels with the task in front of him. This is a feeling we are all familiar with, the impossibility, the daunting challenges we face around finances. How will we make this work? How can we get to that next level? the daunting challenges we feel in relationships. Can I be understood? The daunting challenges we feel in family. Can I ever really forgive? There is something about this declaration of love and belovedness and family with God and God being glad about us that helps us to reckon with these moments it puts these moments in perspective. For me, reminding myself, centering myself in this truth looks like creating mantras about some of my deeper wounds and rehearsing this truth about them. I am powerful. 
the creator of the universe and gravity, the infinite universe, the infinitely developing and growing and evolving universe. The same spirit is within me. I am powerful, even in moments when I feel powerless. And in moments that make me feel like I am not enough, I remember that God is glad about me. Moments when I feel alone, I remember that God will never leave me nor forsake me. There are so many different ways that we can practice belovedness in our lives, but when we do, we can come to the place where and, and let, uh, let me pull back here because <laughs> it's not just an intellectual ascent to a place of belovedness. There are ways we need to care for our bodies. There are ways we need to embody belovedness. If I was truly loved, that meant that that love was infinite, then I might not have to uh, eat my way into belovedness. I wouldn't have to manipulate my body with calories, with sugar, to feel good about myself. I am deeply loved. How do I love my body, care for my body? I think that's important because we can center ourselves in belovedness that gives us a sense of grounded identity where we are living from love instead of behaving to earn love living from love instead of living for love. And that changes business, family, romance, mental health, conflict, how we encounter all of those. When we can rest into God, stop at nothing, withhold nothing from us, give us everything we have, no matter what we've done, no matter what's been done to us, no matter what we haven't done. God's love for us is infinite, truly unconditional, and truly always available that can center us to live from love. And this week is kind of this reimagined moment of Jesus coming out to the baptism. Why did he do it and what did it do in him? But it is a moment to remind us of what is always available to us, of our rooted identity as God's beloved and what that can do for us. May you know that you are deeply, infinitely loved by the creator of an infinitely evolving universe. And that love makes us family. And we can live into that too. Peace.